This episode of the Internet Today is brought to you by Magic Spoon and by Gabby. Cursed be the ones who live in interesting times. Um, Dog the Bounty Hunter <laughs> is in Florida and uh, apparently hot on the trail of one Brian Laundrie who stands accused of the murder of his fiance Gabby Petito and hasn't been seen for at least two weeks. And before he, everyone gets started with the whole, why are you guys still talking about this story still? It's because... The whole thing is turned from a horrifying yet not unheard of missing persons case into a full-blown circus where the main suspect in the case was so brazen about everything that he just left a trail of clues. He, he drove across the country in an easily identifiable vehicle. Uh, he returned home, then apparently went camping with his family while his fiance was missing. And then he completely disappeared once she was reported missing in the news. And he hasn't been seen since. And that's despite the fact that uh, local authorities, as well as federal agencies, have been conducting a nationwide search for him. So the whole thing is just very odd, very suspicious, and sorry, extremely interesting, uh, because the entire fucking country is addicted to true crime, and there's one currently unfolding live. It's quite a spectacle. It is. And this case in particular, it's, yeah, it's the brazenness of the suspect's behavior that... Uh, and all of the documentation online. It makes it easy for people online to follow and think yeah. that they are actively involved in solving it. There's a lot of clues for uh, all you amateur detectives out there to sift through. It's why Steve came back. He was like, there's going to be something up coming up pretty soon. There's I taught you well. I taught you to look for clues and soon you will need to use all of your clue finding skills again. What did Steve know and when did he know it? Yeah, he was gone for a long time. He's anyway, also bald and could grow a beard. Yeah. Hmm. We're, we're also very aware of the very obvious critique of the media handling of this case as it it's basically missing white woman syndrome. Yeah. Where there are, of course, countless other missing women's cases out there that don't get the same amount of attention. And while it's pretty obvious that a good deal of the coverage of this case initially was a result of this, it's also clear what turned this case into such a big deal for people was everything that led up to and following the actual disappearance of Gabby. She was a young girl whose desire to become a vlogger, living that hashtag van life, resulted in a plethora of photos and videos of a couple whose social media presence portrayed them as a happy-go-lucky duo who were out there living their dreams. But then the post stopped, the crime was committed, and in the weeks that followed, a bunch of fascinatingly stupid, mysterious, and odd choices were made by the suspect's family, lawyer, and others involved in the case, including footage and testimony from witnesses posted directly to the internet for info-hungry readers to follow along with and uh, hypothesize about live and in real time. Yes. So it's now- It's the most consumable case ever. Uh, and yeah. it sucks because someone fucking died, but th it's- it's insane how many clues and, and shit that just happens online with this case and how dumb all of the steps are, yet this guy still isn't found. Yeah. But if this wasn't wild and crazy enough, mm -hmm. now a new yet familiar character has appeared to uh, perpetuate the absurdity of this ongoing case. And his name is Dog. Dog the Bounty Hunter. He's a dog and he hunts bounties. And we're sorry, but this is just nuts. And it would not surprise us at all if the person that was finally able to locate and bring Brian Laundry to justice was Dwayne Chapman. Have you seen what year it is? And look, you can't really slight the dog here because there's a bounty. There is a bounty to find the suspect in this case. And he's gonna hunt that. Dog is a bounty hunter. It is what he does. It was what he was doing. He was born to marry women 
and, and hunt bounties. And occasionally say some very <laughs> regrettable things <laughs> yes. about uh, people of other races. Yeah. And uh, on, on recorded audio. Yes. That could, it could be easily found. Just like most, just like a real dog. He's got a, a nose for clues and he's very racist. <laughs> and also may have uh, committed various crimes in Mexico that he th- himself then ran from. Uh, which I think the end result of uh, what he did was probably uh, a net benefit, but he also ran from the law, so he became the bounty. I don't even remember the. What, he what went to Mexico that. and got some guy in, in, and captured him like illegally. Oh yeah, yeah, he kidnapped a guy. Oh, he, yeah. But the guy was he was illegally hiding out in Mexico for yeah. crimes, com- very bad crimes it's, committed in the United it States. It is it is looked down upon to uh, go and grab suspects from other countries and smuggle them back across the border. And he did it. It's looked down upon, but uh, look, that's how we found most of the Nazis that escaped, the, not we, the uh, the Mossad found yeah. uh, most of the Nazis that escaped to South America. Yeah. And Argentina was mad, and Brazil was mad, but you know what? They got those Nazis. Yes. Dwayne Johnson, so, who Dwayne, am I John, Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Chapman is just like the Nazi hunters. Dwayne You're the right. dog Chapman. Yes, exactly. exactly. Um, and, uh, it, while Dog, the bounty hunter, does absolutely, as we just alluded to, have a checkered past of his own. He's a multifaceted bounty hunter. <laughs> yes, uh, he definitely does have a good track record when it comes to this stuff. And if anything, you'd imagine it would really light a fire under the asses of the local authorities because if a former reality television star cracks this case before them, it'll make them look really incompetent. Yeah, and they probably are. <laughs> yes. Yes, didn't uh, I know that, okay, so we had the LAPD who accidentally set off the fireworks bomb truck. Uh, I believe recently we also had the LASD accidentally discharge a firearm in court, like last week. I didn't even hear about that, but yeah, they're always up to something. The LAPD just got themselves into a big bunch of trouble by uh, clearly uh, ar- targeting and arresting a guy whose entire deal is that he goes to, he sees the cops and he fills them. Uh-huh. He runs a Twitter account called Film the Police. Yes. And, uh, yeah, they arrested him under some very weird circumstances. So you can't uh, imagine that the cops in Florida would be uh, too much better uh, uh-huh. when it comes to stuff like this. But who knows? So where are we at with all this this whole story uh, before Dog showed up? Honestly, since the last video we made about this, not a lot has changed. Uh, the family still isn't talking. Brian still missing. And the only piece of actual new confirmed information is that at some point between Brian returning home without Gabby and Brian going missing... He and his parents, they just went on a camping trip, which is obviously strange and very suspicious. Hey, Mom and Dad, I just got home from my uh, roughing it out all over the United States. Uh, Got home real quick, by the way. But uh, you know what I'd really like to do now? Camp. Mm -hmm. I know I've been living in a van for several months now. Well, that drive really took it out of me. Yeah, I need to go live rough some more. So uh, let's go right now. And by the way, Gabby, uh, I don't know. Don't worry about it. Uh, Let's go now. And let's go potentially unconfirmed two camping trips yeah a camping trip and then home and then can't so they suspicious. were very busy between those two weeks there's a bunch of other unconfirmed shit like his mom going to an at&t store and the, the other unconfirmed things but that's where we are yeah so in the meantime authorities continued their search in the nearby state park which is basically it's just swampland with nothing they haven't found anything because it's a swamp it's yeah. hard to find things in a swamp you can't see anything from the sky it's a swamp <laughs> yeah, you can't uh, go wading through it and hoping to find something. It's full of alligators. And mud. And mud. And yeah. mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. And panthers. Snakes and, and snakes. All kinds of stuff. Stuff that you couldn't sur- really survive if you were a person out there. So, like I said, if he stayed there, chances are he's probably gator food by now. Yeah. 
But that all changed this past weekend when, to the shock and confusion of neighbors, onlookers, and the media, Dog appeared at the laundry home in Northport, Florida, and started knocking on their front door. It was a panic. Like, when you when he showed up on the scene, because there's obviously people there, like, constantly, and yeah. cameras and everything, it was like a, a moment of chaos. We're like, really? And then you see the cameras, like, turning, like, yeah, that's Dog the bounty hunter. Yeah. You can tell because of the way he looks. Yeah. <laughs> that beautiful mane. Hard to mistake uh, anyone else for Dog. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he knocked on the door. No one answered, of course. Oh, yeah. And when questioned by the media about why he was there, Dog replied with, come on, you know. <laughs> yeah. And also implored the public to share tips by calling 833-TELL-DOG. Hell yeah. Later, in an extended interview about the case, Dog elaborated on his reasoning behind going to the laundry house, saying it was, because I carry a reputation with me. You see me every night on Pluto TV. The reputation is, he gives you a second chance. He gonna get you, but he gives you a second chance. So I thought, wow, the dad's gonna see me and crack, and I know the kid knows me, probably one of my fans. So I thought the dad would answer and talk. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, um, so, um, he thought his fame would be able to turn the family and be like, Poof. Well, Mr. Dog. Uh, sure. Well, how I'll let it? you know, but I'll get you an autograph. Brian Laundry's what, like 25? I don't think he's even that old. So, Dog's been off the air since like 2007, 2007. <laughs> or something, something like that. May, uh, anyway. Yeah. As we said a second ago, no one came to the door, not even when the dog came knocking, and why would they? <laughs> and to be fair, he has some maybe decent ideas regarding where the suspect might be, and more specifically, where he most likely is not, despite many theories surrounding his location. Uh, he used his experience to point out that it is next to impossible that Brian Laundrie would go to Mexico to hide out. Yeah. As he puts it, uh, young white boy who don't speak Spanish, gonna get picked up by the cartels for that reward real quick. Yeah. So, and he, yeah, I believe him. Uh, but yeah, his, his thing seems to lean to, like if he's not in Florida, he's probably on the Appalachian Trail somewhere because apparently one of his friends said that he had he had hiked it before, mm. a section of it, so. And that's a big trail. It's a very, very long trail. across crosses many states. I believe mm -hmm. it's 2,000 something miles. Having done 80 of it myself back uh -huh. in my younger years, it is a very fun experience. I'd like to do it someday. Yep. Anyways, in the days that have followed Dog's arrival on the scene, it appears as though, uh, it appears as though, appears as though he has made some progress on the case. So it would seem. From Newsweek, Chapman is now in hot pursuit of laundry and has shared that his recent findings took him to a Florida campground at Fort DeSoto Park, where he alleges laundry and his parents, Chris and Roberta, entered in early September, but only two of the party were seen leaving. Quote, they were registered, went through the gate, they're on camera, they were here, he told Fox News on Monday evening. We think at least if he's not here right now, we are sure he was caught on camera as he went in the gate, that he was here for sure. Not over in the swamp. Chapman later added, Allegedly, what we're hearing is two people left on the 8th. Three people came in on the 6th, and two people left on the 8th. I think he's been here for sure. Um, okay. So, yeah. Uh, now, we should point out that the FBI and local authorities might have actually already known this. Yeah, so... <laughs> this whole spectacle, I mean, it's... It, I mean, look. He might be giving out information yeah. that is. <laughs> I mean, that if authorities are keeping close to the if dog made. is the one who solves this case and he figures out all these things that the the authorities haven't been able to figure out. Great, that's awesome. Yeah. The other possibility is that uh, dog is just uncovering things that the FBI has already uncovered, and he's just immediately telling them to the press, and or, they're just being like, "God damn it!" Or, uh, you know, pointing out th this looks like a very good lead. 
But like in in the case of a lead that isn't actually accurate, uh, putting them on wild goose chases that take away resources and time. Um, yeah. And but, it feels uh, like when we talk about this that we're like siding with the authorities being geniuses all the time, which they are absolutely not. No. It's just like any more chaos thrown into the mix is typically a bad thing. Now, look, dog, as we know, can go above and beyond the law to apprehend uh, criminals in the way that uh, maybe the authorities cannot because they're you know, tied to, or you would hope that they are tied to the legal bindings that restrict them. Oh, they, they all <laughs> certainly are. They certainly they are. They never would break the law to do something Police like that. Police live by a code. Mm -hmm. To serve and protect. And most importantly, protect. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Dog reported his leads to the local authorities, but he also seemed to have uncovered more evidence that points to Fort DeSoto Park, which, by the way, it's basically a two-hour drive from where the search for Brian has been taking place. Yeah, so this park, um, a lot more livable than the Swampland. Mm -hmm. It is essentially uh, not even off the coast. It is a part of the coast of Florida. It's uh, There's, a, there's a, the famous bridge in Florida, the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. It is like right near there. So if someone were to want to live for a long time without going back into a city, uh, this would be a great place to do it. Um, but having said that, it's, it's way more trafficked by other people than the middle of a swampland. So you would assume right. that someone would have seen him. Well. Anyways. So according to TMZ's reporting on the dog hunt from Tuesday morning, <laughs> quote, according to our sources, the possible evidence that Brian's parents were at the campsite are two camping reservations under their name from September 1 to 3 and September 6 to 8. It's been reported the laundries were seen driving with a small camper, so it's believed this is where they went. But there's only speculation Brian was with them. We're told Dog received a tip that Brian was spotted at the campsite as recently as Saturday, and he plans to head to the Fort DeSoto Park area himself to continue tracking leads he's received. Well, now Brian's not going to be there. <laughs> now he's watching TMZ like a damn hawk. Like, obviously plenty to criticize about the police, but they at least understand to, like, keep their cards close to their chest. Unless it's Diane Feinstein. Well... She's not a member of the press. She's a senator. Who gave who, away information about, uh, the, uh, what was it? Uh, the uh, the Night Stalker. Yes, the Night Stalker. Yeah. Uh, We're looking for these specific shoes. If anyone sees these shoes, please let everyone know. Uh, oh, crap. I should get rid of these shoes. Yeah. Uh, the, the police don't like to release all their information as soon mm -hmm. as they get it because in this case, Brian probably has access to the radio, mm -hmm. maybe even TV. Maybe even the internet on his phone, and uh, the phone it, that his mom got him at the AT and T store. And if he if he hears that they're looking in this area, he's probably going to try to go as far away from there as possible, as soon as possible. Yeah. Whereas if you don't immediately release that to the public, you have a little bit of lead time to start looking there before Brian gets tipped off. Although you know where he might be. And even though I have seen the show, so I know it's not true, I do like to imagine that uh, dog tracking someone is him on all fours with his nose on the ground. It's time to get down in the dirt. He's there with his new wife, too. Yeah. Um, Beth died. Beth uh, died, yeah. Unfortunately. Very sad. She was great. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, he has, he. they actually, according to him, put off their honeymoon to do this. Well, I'm uh, sure this is better than any honeymoon. This is this is dog in his element. And that bounty can pay for 10 honeymoons. That's right. Uh, anyways, to put this all in a little box here, this entire story, it is, at its core, extremely tragic. Yeah, a, a girl is dead. Yeah, it's just everything is insane that has happened. 
but our channel, it revolves around the absurd reality that we live in. And for whatever reason, this case has morphed into something outrageous. And the most important thing here is locating this Brian Laundry so that he can stand trial for what he's accused of and what he definitely seems guilty of, considering literally every move that he has made since his fiance's disappearance. Dog the bounty hunter locating him and bringing him to justice after giving him a cigarette and praying for him definitely wasn't one of the things that we expected would happen, but at least we're now mentally prepared for it. It's a possibility. I'll go with Christ. Uh, but it, look, let's switch gears from absurd stories that are actually fucking morbid to something ridiculous that's a, a little more lighthearted and uh, essentially inconsequential to 99% of people watching. A crypto trading hamster is apparently outperforming both Warren Buffett and the S&P 500 with its market predictions. Because why not? I, this is just like the octopus who picks Super Bowl winners or whatever. Here's a, here's a fun story from NPR. Although, I should preface this, all, all the articles about this hamster happened before this past week in crypto oh, and okay. in the stock market where like three to four months of gains have just been erased. We regret to inform you that the hamster has committed. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I haven't checked in on the hamster's latest dealings. He may. This might have been the, his best opportunity yet to prove that he can beat the market. And to be fair, even if the hamster's stocks did drop, as long as it didn't drop as much as the average uh, investor, then it's still coming out on yeah. top. Yeah. So look, we're not telling you to take the hamster's advice. We're just saying the hamster, uh, you know, up until we're, recently was making some pretty good picks. We're just saying the hamster's advice is as good as the advice of <laughs> yeah, most financial advisors. Yeah. Anyway, here's NPR. Meet Mr. Gox, a hamster who works out of what is possibly the most high-tech hamster cage in existence. It's designed so that when Mr. Gox runs on the hamster wheel, he can select among dozens of cryptocurrencies. Then, deciding between two tunnels, he chooses whether to buy or sell. According to the Twitch account for the hamster, his decision is sent over to a real trading platform. And yes, real money is involved. And his little office is adorable. I, I mean, it is great. I, his, <laughs> He's got a little computer. They should have him and the hamster that eats tiny burritos get together. They should get him a bigger house. Now that I would watch a hamster reality show on Twitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with like, yeah, you have like a hamster house with tubes and one goes to the office, one goes to the kitchen. And they uh, make little burritos, and you go, oh, honey. I forgot about the tiny burrito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a little briefcase that he takes, yeah. and then he comes home, and, uh, you know, he has a little burrito and sits on the couch and plays a little video game. Unwind. So they also say that uh, they are absolutely not telling you to follow this hamster's financial decisions, but they can tell you that, quote, his portfolio is up nearly 20% since he started trading in June, according to his Twitter account. And as of September 12th, Mr. Gox was performing better than Bitcoin, better than the NASDAQ 100, better than Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, and better than the S&P 500. Nice. Get me Mr. Gox. <laughs> I want that hamster on my desk by morning. <laughs> they also said, while Mr. Gox's methodology is random at best, it does remind us that where people get their financial advice from is certainly changing. <laughs> what are they? I like <laughs> Random at best. It's completely random. It's a fucking hamster. Th that's it. That's all there is. <laughs> <That's>, it's <laughs> at best. At this best, is, it's random. No, it's at, at worst. The hamster shits itself till it dies. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess it is the best. Uh, and while following a successful hamster might be too much of a gamble for the paper hands out there, one of the most tried and true formulas for stock market success in recent years is simple: just do whatever Nancy Pelosi and her husband do. I love this. I'm surprised it took this long. I know, I know, because these disclosures have been available for a while. It's like uh, people just finally started. I, I, what I think is that a lot of people were doing it in private. They were following this. And it's also it started, 
it's hard to do because they're released every 30 days. So, so you might time, miss the swings on stuff. That's but. true. But you can count on the fact that at the moment that those go public, people are going to uh, tail these purchases and it will send the stock up in theory. Yeah. But yeah, so if you do whatever Pelosi and her, uh, well, not Pelosi, just her husband. Or her husband. I don't know what he's doing with our money. I just looked the other way. All I know is we've gotten in very, very rich over the past My husband, years. he sits up there with his tiny desk and whatever tube he comes through <laughs> the end of the night is, is the one that we go I'm with. Nancy Pelosi. This is my husband, Hamster Pelosi. <laughs> this is Mr. Gus. <laughs> Nancy, are you uh, married to a hamster? Nah, I, I wouldn't know anything about that. You'd have to ask my husband. <laughs> Why is your husband piling his excrement in the corner of the room? Uh, I don't know, but he makes a lot of money. <laughs> so the Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi method has found success for investors as well as TikTok creators who have entire profiles and series based around Pelosi investments. From NPR again, young investors have a new strategy, watching financial disclosures of sitting members of Congress for stock tips. Among a certain community of individual investors on TikTok, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's stock trading disclosures are a treasure trove. Quote, Shout outs to Nancy Pelosi, the stock market's biggest whale, said user <laughs> CEO watch list. Another said, I've come to the conclusion that Nancy Pelosi is a psychic, while adding that she is the, quote, queen of investing. She knew, declared Chris Josephs, analyzing a particular trade in Pelosi's financial disclosures, and you would have known if you had followed her portfolio. <laughs> Uh, last year, Josephs noticed that the trades actually made by Pelosi's investor husband and merely disclosed by the speaker were performing well. Josephs is the co-founder of a company called Iris, which shows other people's stock trades. In the past year and a half, he has been taking advantage of a law called the Stock Act, which requires lawmakers to disclose stock trades and those of their spouses within 45 days. So 45 yeah, days. Yeah, so that's not, not the best for, uh, I mean. But if you bring a tiny burrito up to San Francisco, Legend has it that you can find out the stock trades early. Yeah, I mean, for for purchases, this might make sense because I imagine most people in Congress aren't, they're not swing trading. They're going, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're, they're they're purchasing stuff long. It's they, they're swinging their trades, they're, they're swinging their husbands they're and wives. They're selling at the right time. And in that, you are missing those. I mean, and those are more important, I think. The, the nefarious thing to do would be to sell on the day that your disclosures go public and everyone starts chasing your uh, ideas. Yeah, yeah. And, really. and and when I say ideas, I mean potentially insider information about uh, uh, very big companies whose entire uh, livelihoods depend on what the government thinks they're doing is legal or needs more regulations or whatnot, mm -hmm. which makes this uh, very bad for a, a lot of people in government to do. It's highly unethical. Yes. Uh, anyway, the article continues. Now on Joseph's social investing platform, you can get a push notification every time Pelosi's stock trading disclosures are released. He is personally investing when he sees which stocks are picked. Quote, I'm at the point where if you can't beat them, join them. Joseph's told NPR, adding that if he sees trades on her disclosures, quote, I typically do buy. The next one she does, I'm going to buy. A Pelosi spokesperson said that she does not personally own any stocks and that the transactions are made by her husband. Quote, the speaker has no prior knowledge or subsequent involvement in any transactions, said the spokesperson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, lady. Pelosi is hardly the only lawmaker making these stock disclosures. So far this year, Senate and House members have filed more than 4,000 financial trading disclosures with at least $315 million of stocks and bonds bought or sold. 
Why is this allowed? I know. Uh, and yeah, probably the most recent and very upsetting story about government officials and their investments came at the beginning of 2020, just before the pandemic really took hold here in the States, when a bunch of officials, uh, they decided to, mm, I got a bad feeling about this. Uh, let's sell all of our stocks before the entire stock market crashes. Yeah. Uh, NPR reported how uh, Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman Richard Burr privately warned a small group of well-connected constituents in February 2020 about the dire effects of the coming pandemic. He sold up to $1.72 million worth of personal stocks on a single day that same month. A bipartisan group of senators also came under suspicion, including Senators Dianne Feinstein, again, in the news for bad shit. Yeah, she's bad. Uh, James Inhofe and Kelly Leffler. Uh, after investigations by federal law enforcement, none were charged with insider trading. Mm -hmm. A very difficult charge to make against a sitting lawmaker. We've investigated ourselves and... Uh, we have found no wrongdoing. Yeah. So whether it's a hamster or Nancy Pelosi or Nancy Pelosi's hamster husband, everyone seems to be doing better than you or I when it comes to investments. And... To be fair, it's not like you or I buying $50 worth of stock in a company that the hamster picks and getting $10 in return for the trouble is going to be life-changing. People like Pelosi, sorry, Pelosi's husband, are buying millions upon millions of dollars worth, so uh, the return is actually substantial. Still, all of this being said, it shouldn't dissuade you from investing. It's literally the only way that anyone is going to maybe, fingers crossed, be able to retire one day after they've spent 85 hard years working. Down yeah. in the internet mines. Yeah. I want that gold watch, damn it. Susan comes up to my doorstep when I'm 85 and hands me a gold YouTube watch. Yeah. That's what. It, that's how it happens, right? And then you have a heart attack right then and there. Yeah. Go! Oh, there was now, time. All of my investment money goes to my hypothetical kids who then waste yeah. it. Yeah. Actually, I get the silver watch because we only had 100,000 uh, subscribers, not a million. Yeah. Yeah. Shame. Anyways, uh, when you do invest, play it safe. Don't get caught up in the emotional high of day trading meme stocks. It's fun for a little bit, but... Uh, it takes its toll. Yeah. Uh, but we do also have a story about that coming up uh, right after a word from today's sponsors, starting with Magic Spoon. Oh, I got some Magic Spoon right here. So growing up, cereal was kind of one of the best things about being a kid. Mm -hmm. But I had to give it up because I realized it was full of sugar and junk that you, you just really shouldn't eat. Mm -hmm. Luckily, in steps Magic Spoon with a great tasting cereal that's got zero grams of sugar, 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Also, only 140 calories. Mm -hmm. Try Magic Spoon's best-selling flavors in a four-flavor variety pack featuring cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They've also got... Uh, they got a lot of good flavors that are only on their website that you can go check they out. They have some new seasonal ones that I'm very interested in. I think one is a pumpkin spice. There you go. And uh, My wife's already got all kinds of pumpkin spice spice stuff in the house. Why not get the cereal as well? But uh, like I said, my favorite recent one, the one that I restocked up on, uh, is uh, maple waffle. Is incredible. Maple waffle's great. Cookies and cream's oh, great. Oh, yeah. Cookies and blueberry. Cream. Mm -hmm. I'm, I just finished my box of blueberry. They're all great. Yeah. Uh, it tastes exactly like regular cereal from your childhood, but it is super nutritious. Honestly, it's too good to be true. And by the way, it is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Mm. Click the link below to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code TODAYDAILY, all one word, at checkout to get $5 off any order. Or go to magicspoon.com slash todaydaily or click the link in the description below because that one's actually tracked and uh, helps us out. By the way, they are now shipping to Canada. Hey, Hi, Canada. Good day. And uh, Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Click the link below. Use our code TODAYDAILY, all one word, for $5 off. Or go to maddoxpoon.com slash TODAYDAILY. Whatever works for you, 
Just save $5 today. It's delicious, even with a fork. Mm -hmm. I fork and love this cereal. This episode is also sponsored by Gabby. It's crazy how fast the prices of just about everything are rising, especially the UK. Mm -hmm. Gas, groceries, clothes, you name it. And experts are saying it's gonna get worse before it gets better. So when looking at all the ways you can personally cut costs and save where you can, why not start with your auto insurance? Start with Gabby. Shopping for auto insurance sucks, so let Gabby do all the work for you. Gabby uses your current policy to compare your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. They're the one true comparison platform with fast, verifiable quotes, not ballpark guesses. And because Gabby uses your current coverage, they only show policies that are the same or better than your current coverage, many of them at a lower price. And Gabby is free. It's free to use. They never sell your info, so no annoying spam or robocalls. Yeah, I, I did the... Uh... Onboarding for Gabby took like five minutes. Yeah, you put and, in all of your uh, information. Put in all my info, and yeah, they they let the computer computerize things. They came back with some damn good deals. Yep. Anyways, people who save with Gabby can save on average eighty dollars a month versus their current policy. It's eighty bucks a month. Yeah. It's not just us recommending Gabby. Gabby has been featured in TechCrunch, Forbes, and USA Today. So start saving on your auto insurance today by going to gabby.com/todaydaily. It's totally free. That is G-A-B-I.com slash Today Daily. Gabby.com slash Today Daily. Check them out. All right, back to the news now. And uh, that story about GameStop stocks, GameStonks. GameStonks. That's the, the easiest way to say it. The story that never ends. Yeah. Uh, one of the first investors who kicked off the GameStonks craze, aside from Redditor at Deep Fucking Value, was Michael Burry, who was the inspiration for the main character played by Christian Bale in The Big Short. Back in 2019, he indicated that he was very bullish on the stock and held about 3 million shares in the company, which were at the time trading for just $5 a share. Yeah. As we're all aware, the price of this stock has skyrocketed uh, in early 2021, fueled by Reddit's desire to fuck over hedge funds and get rich in the process. At its peak, the stock was traded at around $300 per share, which would have made Michael Burry's shares worth well over a billion dollars if he'd sold them at the all-time high. Uh, did the Pelosi's get in on this? Probably. <laughs> I Maybe. love this game, uh, brick and mortar. Uh, it's the future of gaming. It's a brick and mortar stores. They sell video games and Funko Pops. Yeah. Uh, my husband really loves it. I put a Funko Pop in his cage and he, he goes nuts. He loves it. I was getting ice cream out of my several refrigerators to give it to my grandchildren. My great While I was getting my hair done. While I was getting my hair done. She told me about this store. And my, my great grandchildren told me, Grandma, Nana. Mm-hmm. What do, what do Italians call their... It's Nana, right? Sure. They're like, oh, Nana! Nana Pelosi! Yeah, we gotta get the game of stop stock! And then I went to... I brought a, a gift certificate to Gavin Newsom's big party out of French Laundry. Yeah. Oh, we all had fun. Anyways, we talked about GameStop, and it was great. Anyway, Michael Burry, the guy who would be... Oh, but, well, he's already, I'm sure. He's already yeah. extremely rich, but yeah. the guy who would have gotten a billion dollars if he'd sold to GameStop at its peak recently got a letter from the Securities and Exchange Commission for his role in the GameStop saga, however impactful it was. Yeah. And it appears as though a lot of other people were subpoenaed as well. Here's CNBC. Famed investor Michael Burry revealed on Twitter that he received a subpoena from the Securities and Exchange Commission in connection with the investigation into GameStop, a wildly speculative stock that the big short trader once bet on. Quote, so who got an SEC subpoena over GME? Actually, I know who. They're on my subpoena. With all that's going on in the world, that's what Burry said in a now-deleted tweet on Friday. 
He attached a copy of the SEC letter dated September 21st. Burry, who leads Scion Asset Management, shot to fame by betting against mortgage securities before the 2008 crisis. Burry was depicted in Michael Lewis's book, The Big Short, and the subsequent Oscar-winning movie. The hedge fund manager had been trading GameStop shares and publicly commented on the meme stock for the past few years. At the end of 2018, Burry first revealed a $6.8 million position in the video game retailer, according to InsiderScore.com. Over the next few quarters, the investor trimmed, exited, and re-entered the stock multiple times, and his stake was worth more than $17 million at the end of the third quarter of 2020 until he closed the position the next quarter doesn't say exactly what he got out with and how many times he traded and what his final I'm take was. I'm but sure he's doing great. Yes. He's going to get that gold watch. Uh, but speaking of getting rich without having to do a whole lot, someone just fucked over the art industry again. And this time it's not a misshapen statue or a JPEG or even a banana duct taped to a wall or a sculpture that's completely invisible. Well, those, uh, those were very clever. Yeah. But it is a lot like that last yes, one, it is. the yeah. invisible sculpture. Mm -hmm. So a modern art museum in Denmark paid a local artist $84,000 for some works of art that they could add to their collection. And what they got in return was absolutely some modern art, yeah. just not exactly what they were expecting. Uh, from CBS News, when he delivered the piece he was supposed to make, it was not as promised. Instead, the artist Jens Honning gave the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art in Aalborg, Denmark, two blank canvases and said they were titled, Take the Money and Run. <laughs> Honing was asked to recreate two of his previous works, 2010's An Average Danish Annual Income and An Average Austrian Annual Income, first exhibited in 2007. Both used actual cash to show the average incomes of the two countries, according to a news release from the artist. So he had made money using actual cash, and they're like, hey, can you make some more of those? Here's the cash. He's like, Yes. I got a piece of art for you. Yes. It continues, in addition to compensation for the work, Hanning was also given banknotes to use in the work, museum director Lars Andersen told CBS News via email. Their contract even stated the museum would give Hanning an additional 6,000 euros to update the work if needed, Andersen said. For the Work It Out exhibit at the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art, Hanning was meant to fill frames with money, but they were empty. Quote, we also have a contract that the money, 84,000 US dollars to be displayed in the work, is not Jen's, and that it must be paid back when the exhibition closes <laughs> on January 16, 2022. Uh, Anderson said when they spoke to the artist about making the piece earlier this year, he agreed to the contract and, quote, he indicated a fairly easy job. Yeah, this will take no time at all. <laughs> you, you say you'll turn it around in an hour? Uh, but when it came time for Hanning to actually deliver, he did the unexpected. The curator received an email in which Jens Honning wrote that he had made a new piece of artwork and changed the work title into Take the Money and Run, Anderson said. Subsequently, we could ascertain that the money had not been put into the work. <laughs> Indeed, the frames meant to be filled with cash were empty. Quote, the staff was very surprised when they opened the crates. I was abroad when the crates were opened, but suddenly received a lot of mail, Anderson said. When he finally saw Take the Money and Run, Anderson said he actually laughed. Jens is known for his conceptual and activistic art with a humoristic touch, and he gave us that. But also a bit of a wake-up call, as everyone now wonders, where did the money go? He took it and he ran. Yes, he took it and left. It's in the art. The art tells the story. Yeah, it's you, all right there. You, you know, objectively, this is a blank white canvas, but the art is the, it's the story. It's the canvas. The art is the story. Yes, and people will go see these blank frames because of the news story attached to them. Yeah. So... Again, we got to side with the artist on this one. He did create art. Well played. <laughs> you win. Take the money. And, and well, you don't have to run. Yeah. I think you can stay where you are. No crime committed. Speaking of works of art, though, what's up, gamers? Hey, gamers. 
Are you tired of sleeping on a normal bed like a fucking noob? Well, good news, because Japan has put its scientists, sleep specialists, and hardcore gamers to work, developing the next step in gamer accessories, the gamer mattress. Yep. And didn't we already talked about the gamer bed? Yes, which I believe is, was also a Japanese product. It's the same company. They were like, well, we've got the bed. We need the to make the mattress. The one ingredient that was missing was the gamer mattress. <laughs> we would be stupid not to actually make a mattress. And yeah, the gamer mattress looks as sad and as, as uncomfortable as you might imagine. It literally looks like the mattress and bed setup that most gamers probably already have set up in their bedroom, complete with milk crate, nightstand, and 10 foot charging cable plugged into the wall across the bed. Seriously, this thing looks terrible. Just looks like a cheap futon that you could buy it at IKEA or Walmart or something. Uh, what ma- what makes this the perfect mattress for gamers? <sighs> well, it's made by the same company who developed that hilarious gaming bedroom setup that we reported on last year, where the gamer is basically swallowed by his setup and never has to leave. Uh, it's got everything. It's got yeah. all the bells and whistles, and I'm kicked back. I got the monitor, the keyboards, uh, drink it, dispenser. It uh, is BYOB. Bring your own bedpan. But uh, yes, but that's but it. it. Oh, that no. bed. It looked like something that like Hey Arnold would have in his room. Mm. Uh, very unnecessarily tech heavy and not even tech heavy it's just like look we, we took a bedroom and we shrunk it yeah we literally shrunk it to the size of a bed so everything that you would have against a wall is now on your bed anyway here's kotaku with more information japan's baud has made its name by selling loungewear for gamers as well as gaming desks chairs and even beds the latest item it's added to its lineup is the gaming mattress <laughs> According to Famitsu, the slightly firm foam mattress provides the support for a restful sleep after a day of gaming. It's even apparently ideal for sprawling on during the day in gaming. Wow. Adding that there are slits in the foam throughout the mattress to offer varying degrees of support, Bauhaut is releasing this in three sizes, single, semi-double, and double. I have a feeling single is going to be the one that sells. Weird, no queen size or king? Hmm. Hmm. Prices will range between 256 US dollars and 391 dollars. That's not bad. Mm-mm. Well, when you see it, uh, <laughs> you'll wonder where all the money went. Yeah. Uh, the mattress cover can be removed and cleaned. Good. And the mattress can be rolled up for storage. Oh, okay. Uh, so, what does it do? How is it a gaming mattress? Well, we still don't know, and it appears as though we are not the only ones confused. On 2CH, which I two assume channel. is Chan, yeah, yeah. channel. Uh, that's Japan's largest bulletin board. People did not seem impressed. Quote, this has nothing to do with gaming, wrote one commenter. Others pointed out that the inexpensive mattresses were fine and that this just seems to be a regular Nishikawa mattress. Quote, for this to be a gaming product, it really needs to be illuminated. <laughs> and uh, we agree. Yeah. At least put some LEDs on this thing or maybe do that silver-laced material to neutralize the odors. You're going to need the silver-laced material. Uh, Controller, charging ports, I don't know, literally anything that would make it seem like it's meant for gaming other than just being called the gaming mattress. Yeah. Although the marketing does go a long way. It's uh, lightweight and has creases so that when you get all your chips and shit in it, you can just shake it out. Yeah. (laughs) You filthy fuck. You (laughs) fucking otaku degenerate. Ugh. Moving on now, though, a cautionary tale for anyone trying to enjoy a good old-fashioned haunted attraction this Halloween season. Careful! You might actually get stabbed if the people working there are morons. Yes. Well, let's just go straight to the local news coverage from Cleveland, Ohio, for this one. Here's News 5 Cleveland. At haunted houses, the blood, knives, and spooky monsters are fake, but the frightful fun became all too real for one Brook Park family after one of the actors got a little too into character at a haunted house in Berea last weekend. Three officers were called to the seven floors of hell haunted house at the Cuyahoga County Fairgrounds at about 
8.15 p.m. Saturday for a call of a male stabbed in the foot. The report states, Karen Bednarski told News 5 the 11-year-old boy is her son, Frank. She said he went to the seven floors of Hell Haunted House last Saturday with his sister and family friends with hopes of having some good scary fun. But she says things turned just plain scary when they encountered one of the actors outside. Quote, he walked up to my son and he was holding the knife and his intentions were to scare him. But my son responded to him by saying, that's fake. I'm not scared, said Bernarski. That's when Bernarski said Pogozelski began stabbing the ground with a large Bowie knife but then got too close and stabbed the knife through Frank's croc sandal, <laughs> slicing the side of his big toe. Bednarski said one of the adults with Frank called her and then she called police. I'm highly upset, said Bernarski, but she wasn't just upset about the cut on Frank's toe. It's how she said the staff responded afterwards. They just keep saying accidents happen. Accidents happen. Officers confiscated the knife from the actor who told police he had brought it from home and he was using it instead of the provided prop knives. He admitted to officers that, quote, using the knife was not a good idea and that the injury was an accident, the report states. How many poles does it take to run a haunted house? That's what I want to know. One to, one to stab and one to get stabbed. And one to call the police yeah. and say, I'm upset. And they, and they just keep saying that it was an accident. Well, that doesn't help my, A, my son's toe, and B, the uh, moderately priced croc sandal that we have he, to replace. He sliced through my son's big toe like it was a kielbasa sausage. Hey, in all seriousness, I feel bad for this kid. The yeah, guy's a no. fucking idiot. Yeah. There's a picture of the knife. It's huge. It's like it's, it's a it's hunting a, yeah, knife. It's a bow yeah. knife. It's fucking huge. And he's like, well, you know, the plastic knife just doesn't make the same sound on the ground that uh, my real knife that I have brought with me from home clearly does. I won't hurt anybody. I'll just get real close. These haunted houses do, uh, they have a big problem attracting like actual sociopaths as employees. Well, especially now because like, <laughs> if restaurants can't even hire uh, people to, uh, you know, wait on tables and get tips and stuff, like the people that are signing up to get paid minimum wage to be at a haunted house, like they're doing it for fun. Yeah. And some of them, well-intentioned fun. Yeah. Real good old-fashioned But some of them get off on scaring the shit out of and or hurting people. What's that documentary uh, where they go to the guy's fucked up house and he's like, I don't even care about the money. Oh, yeah. That's, um, there's been a few documentaries about it. Uh, It was on Netflix. It was like some like, uh, Dark Tourist. Oh, yeah. Dark Tourist with uh, David Ferrier. Yeah. People were paying him in bags of dog food. He just like got off on like torturing people. Yeah. He used to be based... I can't remember. In San Diego, outside yeah, of San he was Diego. In, yeah, now he's out in the middle of nowhere in, uh, <laughs> I believe, Tennessee, which yeah. is even creepier. But yeah, he basically just does like CIA torture techniques on people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's, I mean, at this point, anyone who goes and does it is an idiot because like, just look up anything about this place. It's like <laughs> yeah. hardened, uh, like U.S. Marines have tapped out after like 45 I just minutes. can't get off anymore. So I went down here to get the shit scared out of me. But yeah, the guy who runs it is, uh, what's it? Is it McCreary Manor? Something like that. McCamey Manor? Something like that. But yeah, the guy who runs it is like a legit sociopath. He, this is the only thing that brings him joy is just scaring the shit out of people. I did one of the the deprivation, like ultra fucked up ones one year and that was enough. It was like, it was fine. I completed it and it was mostly just gross stuff. Like they make you like dig through a toilet for a key. I did get like hit in the face, but that was like, you signed up for it. Like we can't. Like, they didn't do it on purpose, obviously. I'm not like, into any of that shit. The stuff I like now is the ones where it's, like, uh, immersive. Like, like, like uh, yeah, like a stage immersive show. Immersive theater. I went yeah. I went to one a few years ago where it was, like, 
It was like a dinner party. It was, yeah. it was pretty expensive, but there was like 20 guests, and you were like basically part of like That's a cool. story that played out through the night, and it was very creepy. And it was in a extremely old house in like mid city that definitely fit the the vibe of what they were going for. Yeah, it was cool. I'm going to Oogie Boogie Bash. <laughs> yeah, that looks fun Oogie too. Boogie Bash. <laughs> Meet Sid from Toy Story. Yeah, it'll really freak me out. There are all the villains. Are oh, there. it's Cruella. She's so fashionable. Oh, oh, oh no. She's such a girl boss. <laughs> Real girl boss energy. Oh. Anyways, that's it for today's episode. Be sure to, uh, I mean, the episodes are old by now. We had, we had a long weekend. So uh, if you, for some reason, have missed them, Weekly Weird News and News Dumper there for you. Check both of those out. Uh, thanks for subscribing, commenting, liking, doing all that stuff, doing your part. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you very soon for some tech news, which a uh, lot going on in the weird tech world this week. Mm-hmm. Very unsettling stuff. Anyways, bye. Bye.